Beehive Sports Podcast is powered by Swing Juice. Visit swingjuice.com. Use promo code Beehive20, 20% off your golf and MLBPA apparel. Tonight's episode is going to be a good one. We have uh, a little bit of NIL talk in the, in the opening buzz. We're going to get into the NIL. Uh, PA is talking about doing that with high schools. So we're going to be joined by our local high school expert, Brian Hagberg. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about the NIL. And we're going to discuss some uh, concerns or you know, positive thoughts we have on, on that moving forward. Then we're going to get into some NFL contracts. We got more holdout threats happening uh, today that news came out. Maybe it was yesterday. Going to get into a little bit of golf. The match has been set. Uh, four NFL quarterbacks going to be playing. We just had a, another tournament this past weekend that uh, Skeddy's going to get into a little bit. In sports history, we're going to get into the Ray Carruth uh, murder story, which actually I didn't know a whole lot about. So we're going to uh, get into the details of that. In the things that sting, we have uh, yet another protest at a T-Wolves game, Timberwolves game. Uh, same, whatever the hell those people were called, the direct action everywhere. Tree huggers, as I like to call them. Yep. All the same. So, so <laughs> Uh, Kelvin Joseph, we're going to get into his story a little bit. Cowboys defensive back who was just questioned in uh, relation to a homicide in Dallas. Deshaun Watson back in the news. There's uh, uh, attorneys for the uh, 22 women are making a move, subpoenaing some court records. We're going to talk about that. We got about eight stories in the rundown. And then what I'm really excited for is in my hive. Oh, I'm sorry. Skeddy on. We didn't get that. I didn't say what Skeddy on is going to be Skeddy on death. (laughs) Skeddy on death threats. You're not going to want to miss this. <laughs> uh, and then in my hive, we have uh, Connor Gray, the AAA starting pitcher for the Syracuse Mets, brother of my coworker, Kyle Gray. He's going to be in with us. Uh, if you're here for that specifically, he'll be in about nine o'clock. We're going to have him uh, on doing a little interview and having him tell a story about how, uh, you know, where he started and how he got to where he's at. Let's go. Welcome to the Beehive Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe and Skeddy. The opening buzz is brought to you by Bushlight. Lattes available, latte aluminums, wherever you get your beer. If you're a New York listener, which we may have some of them today because of Connor. Uh, you guys can just go to the goddamn grocery store and we have to go to the distributors. So maybe someday that'll you know, ripple down effect. We sometimes get the cool stuff that happens in New York. We get it in PA just a little bit later, except for sports betting. Hey, we get it. We beat them yeah. on sports betting. We we get beer at a gas station now. Yeah, Kate. Like things are two looking. Or, things, two or three. Things are looking yeah. up. Yeah, but I want to yeah. be able to like go with my grocery list, get everything oh, all in one okay. shot. You know, that would be to say that I do yep. grocery shopping, which I do not. Uh, I get lost in grocery stores. <laughs> doesn't surprise me uh, a couple things to get us going first of all the snow is bullshit i'm tired of that i don't think i'm alone in saying that had had plans to golf this week not looking good uh no 
trade in my driver for a shovel. Probably actually better use for me with a shovel than it is with a driver. The other thing I want to get to real quick, uh, Mumford Distillery. So we talked about them before in a past episode. Uh, another coworker of mine, Matt Mumford, has got his uh, distillery basically up and running. Uh, there's no you know on-site place that people can go to yet, but he is going to be featured at the Bent Fest. That's going to be at Bent Run here in Warren this coming Saturday. So if you already have tickets, cool. If you don't, there's two different sets of tickets you can get. It's uh, $25 in advance for general admission. But if you get the VIP tickets, those are $35 in, in advance. If you get them at the door, general is $35, VIP $45. VIP gets to start the taste testing at uh, 2 p.m. Everybody else, I think it said 3.30, 3 o'clock. General tasting admission, 3 o'clock. So if you head on down there, check out, uh, you know, Mumford, Mumford Distillery. He's going to have a table set up where he'll be also selling some product. He's going to have everything from a Moscow mule, which they are renaming to the Ukraine, uh, Ukraine mule, you know, as a ode to kind of fuck Russia, right? Uh, strawberry lemonade, gin, unaged whiskey. And for VIPs, they're going to have gin and tonic and gin gimlets, which I don't know what that is, but I know what gin and tonic is. Also available at that table, you can get your very own for $10 Beehive Sports Podcast golf towels. They finally came in. So the patch is on them. So those are going to be for sale at the table too. I'm going to give them uh, some to take down there. So if you're down there shopping around for booze, you know, grab yourself a golf towel. Maybe eventually we'll get to use them. You know, if, yeah. if this is last winter. If you go on vacation, well, you got a golf trip you know, someplace the, south. Northwest PA, Southwest New York goes through the like pretend spring, which I think was last week. Maybe the last yep. two weeks we've had pretend spring. Yep. Now this is last winter. So I think after this, we should be, you know, good to go. I hope so. I'm also not a this- fucking, uh, you know, weatherman. And I don't even know what it's supposed to do tomorrow, but it's snowing right now. And that's bullshit. All right. We're going to get into the opening buzz. Tomorrow. Is it going to be cold again? Yeah, like 38. Might might melt off. I think Wednesdays there's like outside chance it can melt off. So I haven't given up uh, hope on Thursday night golf yet, but it's going to take a lot of help right let, now. Let me know because I'll be there if, you know, we're able to. All right, we're uh, bringing uh, Brian Hagberg as we roll into the opening buzz here. Brian Hagberg of Your Daily Local, also of D9and10sports.com. Uh, proud affiliate of the Beehive Sports Podcast. Mm-hmm. We like uh, pushing, you know, your daily local out to everybody because my ultimate goal is to take down the Times Observer. I know it makes him super uncomfortable when I say stuff like that. So I, I love saying it because he's just like he he wants to agree on air, but he can't. So I pu- I push the buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push push the buttons. No, I, I'll say I'll say this, Joe. I think uh, you know. Uh, I kind of came of age in the late nineties, right? That was when I was a teenager. Right. And that was, that was, if you're, if you're a uh, professional wrestling fan, you know, that was the golden age, right? You had the Monday night wars. Oh, like the attitude era. Yes, exactly. But here's the thing. Competition makes everybody better because you have to be at your best if you're going to stay on top. So that's true. You want to keep them around. I think competition is a good thing. Um, All right. That's fair. I, I know they like to say we're not competition, but you know, 
I think we are, and and I think we're proving that. And uh, I do want to say, coming up very soon in the next few days, you mentioned uh, changing the name of the the drink from the Moscow Mule to the uh, Ukraine Mule. Um, we're going to have a, a really cool story on on your daily local coming up uh, very very shortly about some really cool stuff going on in Ukraine with a lot of local ties. All right, good. I'm I don't want to blow it, but I'm assuming it probably has something to do with Piper. Uh, yeah, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I saw her story. We shared that on the podcast page. Cause I think, uh, first yeah. of all, you always hear people who are like, you know, fucking send me over there. I'll go. And mm-hmm. then, and then like, then there's people like Piper who actually do it. Yeah. So like, that's why I put the, the little quote that I put there, you know, like some people talk to talk Piper walks to walk. She did. She it's badass what she did. And Absolutely. I'm looking look forward to reading that. When you get that up, I'll definitely share that because Piper and Sue are going to be coming on here soon. I want to do it, uh, you know, before their busy season, so that they can kind right. of push Allegheny Outfitters a little bit and uh, you know get all the river rats, you know, up to date on what the hell is going on. And and because uh, she there there isn't anybody in this county who knows more about that river than her. I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would tend to agree with you. Actually, I'll tell the story, but I probably have to tell her. Well, she already knows because I called her. But one day I was at <laughs> one day I was at work, and they called in and they said, uh, like dispatch calls in, and they're like, "Hey, you know, the people or the what is it, the Army Corps or whoever called down yeah. and said that uh, the they're opening the dam to like this much something or other." And I'm like, "Well." what the fuck does that mean? Like, is that bad? <laughs> like, what, 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 should I be concerned? Like, are we going to have, like, what's going to happen? And dispatch is like, I don't know. They didn't really say. So like immediately I'm like, I got to call Piper cause she'll yeah. know what all that meant. So I called her and told her, she explained everything. It was awesome. She like calmed me down a little bit. Cause I didn't know if I needed a boat, like what, you know, what was about to take place in the city. And uh, she, she, you know, brought me yeah. down. So let's get into the NIL. <laughs> Uh, current, so real quick, this is just, so the, the tweet came out the other day that, uh, Pennsylvania, the PIAA is going to be discussing this summer an NIL for high school athletes, but their plan is to watch, uh, New Jersey, New York, and Ohio and how they're going to do it, what their, you know, rules and regulations of it all, all that. And Ohio is actually voting on it in May. So they're like going to be the first in our, you know, the, the four state you know, that group right there, they're going to be the first state to go forward with that. So uh, this was kind of funny. I I read this, so I was looking into it and what it currently says in the PIAA rules. So I'll read that and then we'll, you know, open the floor for opinion and all of that. Defined, the way it's defined is, is it says, first of all, it says athletes must maintain amateur status in order to be eligible to participate in high school sports. That's what it says in the PIAA currently. And that is defined as one who engages in athletic competition solely for educational, physical, mental, social, and pleasure benefits derived thereof and does not receive monetary or similar or equivalent compensation for such participation. So that's the rule right there. And the minute they accept any sort of, you know, gratuity or whatever you want to call it, compensation, then they become professional, apparently, in the eyes of PIAA, and they're no longer amateurs. Um, So... Yes, no, we like it, we don't like it. Go ahead, uh, we'll start with you, Brian. Uh, I think a whole lot of people are making a 
really big deal about something that's probably not going to be a big deal. Um, you know, I mean, if we're if we're being perfectly honest, you know, you look at it from a lot of different standpoints. You know, number one, when was that PIAA rule written? Probably close to 30 years ago, if not longer. Right. Um, some things have changed <laughs> in that time. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it, yeah, I saw a conversation involving uh, a uh, assistant football coach who said, you know, if a kid can go on YouTube and make videos about, you know, ball handling or how to throw the perfect spiral or something like that, and they get a following to the point where YouTube would monetize them, why shouldn't they be able to make money on that? Right. Like, yeah. you know, a, a, a kid who, who can give piano lessons can make money on that, right? A kid, a, a kid who is a great artist and can teach people how to draw or paint, they can make money for that. Why shouldn't an athlete be able to take advantage of their skill set? And if they can make a little bit of money, and let's be honest, this is going to be a little bit of money. I know people think NIL, and immediately you go to, you know, some of those high-profile college That's players. Spencer Adler. Exactly. Um, we gotta, we're going to scale this way down. Uh, you know, because obviously you guys are kind of tapped in. Obviously, I'm very tapped in. But, you know, if you go up to somebody on the street and ask them to name a high school athlete, how many of them are really going to be able to do it? Right. You know, and so you look at it from the standpoint of if you're a business and you're looking for somebody to bring on, you know, say a television commercial or a radio spot or, you know, our live stream or something. And to try to entice people to buy your product is a high school kid really who you're going to turn to and much less a high school athlete just because they're a high school athlete. And realistically, the answer is probably no. And this is not to, to put down high school athletes in any way, shape or form, you know, but realistically, if you're, you know, if you're Midtown Motors, right. Is, is some 16 year old kid who's good at basketball, going to help you sell cars and trucks. Right. right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, right. And so I really think, again, this is more or less those opportunities. Like we talked about, you know, the kid that can monetize their skill set on YouTube, if they can build a following, let them build a following. And if YouTube wants to, you know, monetize them, they can, I don't think it's going to be something where they're all of a sudden going to be making, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, uh, you know, like some of these college kids are, because again, the scale is just totally different. Go ahead, Skitty. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, Brian. It, it's, I think people are making a big deal about nothing. It, you know, even college athletes, I don't think are making a ton of coin, you know, maybe the top five. Uh, but outside of that, it's really nothing. I, I think it's a nothing deal. It's not like, you know, Warren, the high school is going to start paying kids from Eisenhower and Youngsville to move to the district. And, you know, we're loading the team up, you know, like I feel like that's what people think it's going to be. It's, it's not, you're not going to get any money. It's a big, nothing deal. Like, like you said, you can monetize it a little bit, you know, make some money off of YouTube or I, I don't know, maybe in the cities, you got some big player from a city who's popular. You know, I, I'm thinking back to like, you know, the LeBron Jameses of the world, mm -hmm. give him his money in high school. Who Who cares? He's probably taking it anyway. You're just right. cleaning everything up, you know. So, it, you know, making their lives less complicated. Uh, yeah, I think it's a big, big deal about nothing. I'm, I'm all for it. 
let the kids get paid, let them get whatever they can get. You know, it's, it's not going to be a significant amount. I don't think. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as you guys. So this is kind of a boring conversation. We all agree, <laughs> but no, it, it, so, so here's, here's my kind of thought on it is like what a lot of people think is, well, like say like Texas and I, I don't, there is a map that I saw. I didn't look at it, but there's a map that you can find that shows you where, which states have it legal already, which states don't. Um, so I, I'm just going to use Texas as an example, okay? There's probably some towns where the high school quarterback for a Texas football team could help you sell some cars because he's the, you know, the fucking man in, in the hood and everybody fuck, everybody loves this kid, right? He's the – they shut down their store. Like that town's closed down for Texas high school football, do they not? Oh, that's the rumor. I've never been to Texas high school football. so Yeah, me neither. But, you know, all you ever hear about is how insane Mm -hmm. they are about their high school football in Texas. So so what people are are fearing is like, well, you know, players from other areas are going to move to where, you know, the the schools where they can or the areas where they can make more money or something like that. Well, you need to also keep in mind with that is that your kid, you know, plays here and he plays really well and he might be the talk of this town. But you take him to one of these bigger schools and he might not be anybody, not even starting, you know, like he, you yep. can't just assume that you're, you're, you're going to go to any place and play. So some of the stuff too, that I saw was like Quinn Ewers, the kid who uh, left high school early and went to Ohio state. Like that was one of the reasons why, and people, you know, part of their reasoning to do this is like kids like him, but you also keep in mind, this kid was like a top, you know, 10 recruit in the country, five-star quarterback. So everybody wanted him, you know, and he pledged to Ohio state early and left high school. And that was part of the reason why he left high school early was because he knew if he went to Ohio state, he could start marketing himself. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading too about some high school basketball players across the country. But again, you're talking like the top 25 in the nation who have like 3.3 million followers on Instagram. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, this kid's getting a fat check from some app company to promote that their app on, on his Instagram. And like, but like you said, it's, it's, this is really going to be kind of to me, like a patchwork quilt of where it's going to work and where it's not going to work. And I'm not saying it wouldn't work in Warren. I'm just saying it'd be a lot harder for them to do it here <laughs> than it would right. be for, you know, somebody in uh, in Philly or Pittsburgh or, or, you know, the bigger areas. So I'm, I'm on board with, with you guys as far as that goes. Well, and I know, you know, you mentioned the kids going to bigger schools to try to get, you know, better exposure and, and things like that. And, and again, and I saw this point made a couple of times throughout the week. Isn't that happening already? Yeah. You know, I mean, again, if we're we're being honest, you know, let's be honest about it. That's happening already. Does it maybe send a couple more kids that way? Again, maybe. But like you said, you know, you're coming, you're a big fish and probably a very tiny pond. And a lot of these kids are all of a sudden jumping into the ocean and it's a world of difference. And there's no guarantee that anything's going to come of it regardless, you know, and then again, it comes down to, what are they actually, what are they marketing? What are they getting paid for? How much are they getting paid? You know, I mean, high school kids can have a job. Right. If they're, yep. if they can do something where they, again, can take advantage of their own natural talents, which is, isn't that what high school is supposed to be about? Is it helping you learn 
what your natural talents are and, and what you want to do in life. If you can start doing that while you're in high school, why should the PIAA be able to say, no, you can't. Well, and and then to add to that, uh, the kid who doesn't have practice, you know, for two hours every day after school is more likely to be able to pick up a job somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, after an after school job, your first job when you're 15, 16, whatever, you know, you're putting in applications and you get hired, whether you're, you know, even if it's at a fast food joint, whatever, who cares? You're, you know, you're a young kid getting your first job, learning how to, you know, work a schedule. Athletes, in, even at the high school level, do not have <laughs> that much time on their hands to be able to do that. You know, it it would literally give them no free time. And I mean, I'm not sure about what a high school homework uh, workload looks like these days. It's been a while since I've been there. But uh, shut up, Sketty. It's not funny. <laughs> I see you laughing. I've been out almost as long, but yeah, I know that's true. Brian's been out longer than both of us. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> but anyways, no, like it's just you know, there's more opportunity for the non-athletes to work and and function, mm-hmm. whereas you know the high school students can't. And if they're that dedicated to their craft, I mean, there's kids in town who I see who go right from games. I, I've seen uh, Nyquist. Tommy, I've seen that kid go literally from a game, like he was playing a game and I didn't know he was playing a game, but I heard it on the radio. And like two hours later, I'm at the Y working Mm -hmm. out and he's down there shooting hoops. And I was like, Tommy, didn't you just have a game? He's like, yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Shooting around. I'm like, all right. Yeah. It's like you get kids like that. Like they're mastering their craft. That's what Mm -hmm. he's doing. He puts a lot of work in. So, you know, I, they they do not have, if they can capitalize off a little yeah. bit of, of money by doing what they love doing and promoting somebody's product along the way, then why not? I, I have no issue with it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, I, I think people, you know, so much was made of, of this issue when it came to college athletics. Um, you know, and again, you you talk about kids like you know, Quinn Ewers and he goes to Ohio state. Well, now their quarterback room is so full that if I'm not mistaken, he's now at Texas, right? Yeah. he tra- yeah. yeah. He, right. He so he, he got out, got himself set up to get marketed and left. So what you're going to see at that level, you're already starting to see where there was this confluence of talent at a very, very small group of schools is now more likely to be distributed because you can't have five five star quarterbacks in your quarterback room, yeah. all of them wanting to make millions of dollars in NIL, and all of it getting to realize that. Right. So they're going to go where they can realize that, or at least give themselves a better opportunity to do so. Well, and like the Spencer Rattler thing was an interesting case because it was, uh, and actually, and I was going to put this in the things that sting segment, but there really wasn't much to say on it. But he did an interview recently where he talked about how uh, we were four and zero, and I got benched. You know, he had the biggest NIL deal in the to to kick off. You know, when the NIL started in NCAA, that it was his his show basically to get it going. And uh, you know, he ends up getting benched when they're four and zero, which he noted, and then he transfers to South Carolina. And now he's kind of dragging Oklahoma through the mud uh, saying it was a toxic environment and this and that. And, of, you know, of course they're, they had the coach leave mid season or well, not mid season, but you know, right before bowl games is that 
always seems to happen, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I just don't see it. it, it, A lot of it's going to be trial and error. I think Mm -hmm. you got to feel this kind of stuff out and tweak it along the way. And some people are going to bitch about that when it happens. And some people are going to embrace it. It's just the way things go. It's new territory. You know, it's not the, like you said, the rule that was written 30 years ago when we didn't have, uh, you know, every what 10, 15 social media platforms you could be on and all these different apps and stuff people can use. It's, it's just uh trial and error. Well, you know, and again, to me, it comes down to, you know, how much money does the PIAA make? Right. Probably, I mean, yeah, I know, well. I know, I know what they charge us to broadcast a playoff game. Right. Right. I, and you know what they're charging people to get in and, and go watch these games. So, if they're again able to make money, well, they wouldn't be able to make this money if they didn't have the kids on the field or on the court, right? Right. So why should they be able to make money off some kid's athletic talent, but the kid can't? Not to mention, don't you have to pay yeah. to play most sports in high school? At this yeah. Point? Aren't you like you listening to yourself over there? Oh yeah. Something. How do you sound? Ah, uh, well. I'm battling a little cold, so I'm a little nasally today. Well, don't have the golden tones like I usually do for the game broadcast. So but, what? Uh, what do, don't they pay to play though? Most sports, like you have to, you know, you you, uh, get... you do you do here, but but again, you know, a lot of the the booster clubs take care of a lot of those, um, you know, participation fees and things like that. Um, you know, and I'm sure it's different from school district to school district, but I, I know for sure, you know, Warren County is not the only one with a, right. Essentially a pay to play program. And, and again, if, you know, if that helps alleviate some of what the, the boosters have to do from a fundraising perspective, or they can take some of that money and not have to pay for as many kids to participate, you know, all the better, because then it's going to go into, you know, better facilities, better equipment, um, you know, things like that. And, so, and certainly, um, you know, it'd be nice if, if we could see, you know, boosters and school districts and the PIAA come together and, uh, you know, start working and giving some of these officials a bigger paycheck too. So, you know, again, if, if the, if the kids are able to, to make some money and they're able to put it back into the pot a little bit too, everybody benefits. Yeah. Not to, I'll agree with the referee thing and umpires, of course, because the abuse they go through, it's amazing that anybody still wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Of course, people say that about police, too. Like, why do you even want to subject yourself to that? But here I am. So <laughs> I, I get it. But even in the things that sting, we talked last week, we talked about uh, the female umpire down in Mississippi who got punched in the mouth after she ejected a parent. The parent waited in the parking lot, came up and whacked her. And I mean, she was all banged up from that. It's insane that whatever, but uh, real I, I, quick, almost, you know much- almost been there myself. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Cause I, you, you ump, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I'm umpired. I, uh, you know, you ever want to take some abuse, uh, go down and uh, officiate uh, some frat boys playing college intramural flag football. I've done that. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, well versed in that too, because I worked at Rec, I worked at Rec Sports at Edinburgh as well. Yeah, and I uh, yeah, so I, I heard it all from you know. But it, those but guys. again, you know, I mean, I I umpired for probably close to ten years. I you know I, I officiated football and basketball games, and the only people I ever had to throw out of a game were parents at a little league game. 
That's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, that's and, and it is. It really is. Yeah. Hey, real quick, because mm-hmm. I know you got to get going, don't you? Yeah, I got to put kids to bed. See, this is yeah. this is one of those things you're going to realize that bedtime is like the <laughs> best time of the day. I'm excited to f- figure that out. It won't be long. <laughs> couple, month, month and a couple weeks anyways. But uh-huh. uh, before you go, mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard, but a couple weeks ago, I have an app idea for you. Okay. So figure out how much it costs to make an app because I don't know shit about shit when it comes to that. About 15 grand. That's it? it well. A pepper mill can finance that. Yeah. <laughs> all they got to do is chocolate milk all, is going up again. All they got to do is sell three glasses of chocolate milk and we'll be able to finance <laughs> fucking app. Perfect. Sketty, get on that. So um, I, I have an app idea I'm going to get a hold of you about. We need to make right. it happen. All right. You all right, Brian. Thank, thanks for joining us. Good seeing yeah. you. Always a pleasure Thank having you, you on, and we'll, we'll talk soon. All right, guys. I appreciate it. All right, we're moving on. We got to scoot ahead because we got 25 minutes. We're going to be running late. All right, NFL contracts. Let's get into it real quick. Uh, So your boy Debo, Terry McLaurin, and AJ Brown saying they're holding out of. uh, Oh, hold on. We got to throw that up there for sure. Pepper Mill money, exactly. Thank you, JD. (laughs) Uh, So holding out. This is the ripple. We're still feeling the ripple down effect of Christian Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, this is allegedly too, this is Schefter we're talking about. So that's fair. Who knows if it's actually accurate, but yeah, said he, that McLaurin Brown and Debo aren't going to participate in any on-field activities until they get new deals. It said voluntary though. It didn't say voluntary. It, was it did. So that's OTAs and, or not OTAs, but like, uh, well, yeah, OTAs are voluntary, right? Yeah. The only thing they have to go to uh, is I think tra- manda- sets, manda- yeah. Yeah, mandatory mini camp and training camp yeah. is what they have to go to. But uh, yep. yeah, so this is going to continue to, you know, ripple down effect yep. from, I know Hunter says it's from Amari Cooper. Eh, I still think Christian Kirk because Amari Cooper, I think Amari, is. Yeah. Amari, Amari Cooper was good. And yeah. Christian Kirk. He's still not get. Yeah. He's not getting as much as Christian Kirk is going to get. So. Like it, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. While it's, we're while we're talking about the Browns, Denzel Ward, uh, big yep. contract today. He's a hundred million dollar man now at defensive back, second of their kind, uh, behind Ramsey. These teams have crazy money trees. I want to know where to get one because, like, just how? Yeah, I thought for sure Ward was going to have to go because they paid yep. everyone else already. Like, how how are they making it work? Well, the Bills are stuck at like. Six million cap space right now, and they can't so they can't get anybody. And everybody, the 49ers else is, have two million dollars in cap space, and they don't have half the deals that these guys have. Doesn't make any trouble. sense to me. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Let's get into golf real quick. June 1st, I'm excited. You are not, yeah, Brady and Rogers versus Allen and Mahomes in the match. It's on a Wednesday, it's like 6 30. Uh, why aren't you excited for this? I just feel like it's just going to be garbage TV. Part of the the uh, draw of the match always was seeing, you know, like a top NFL guy with a pro golfer, and then they're out there teaming it up. You know, I always like like Phil's coaching Barkley through stuff, and you know, just that that dynamic of it. Like, I feel like this is just like watching a shitty foursome from your fucking 
country club go golf. Like, I just don't like who wants to watch a bunch of 12 handicaps golf, like, especially cause it's probably going to be dry too. Like Jackson Mahomes is going to be there fucking TikTok and behind a green. Like I just, I got, well, it excites me now. Like Rogers is a good stick, but out, outside of Rogers, I don't know if any of them are. Alan, Alan was in a, one of them. That does, they let anybody into those. doesn't matter. No, when Alan's they tell tough. you that they're like a, I, I, I mean, you'll find out. You'll have to let me know. I, I just. I will let you know. I'm going to do a, an I, entire I segment on it. And then, I like, the I figured too, Brady, have, like, the old guys versus the young guys. Like, no, let's keep the rivalry going. Pair Rodgers up with fucking Allen and Mahomes and Brady or something. Like, that would I, be. I, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't like. The, I don't know. I kind of like the, the young, bucks, young Bucks versus the old Bucks. And then uh, Brady. During his extended retirement, probably shed a couple strokes off his handicap, don't you think? In that uh, uh, one, in the three weeks, it was that only he was two retired? months, so probably not. Yeah, no, no, not not enough, not enough to work on that. Nick Bryan, guaranteed money is how the Browns get around it. That is factual. Yeah. Uh, but True. again, it's gonna there's gonna come a point here in a few years is where it's they're not gonna have any. There's gonna be red colors. Those numbers are all going to be colored red because they're going to be in a hole. Uh, nope. But I, but that's what the Rams ruined football. Let's just come out and say it. The Rams yeah. ruined Rams ruined football. Ja- Jacksonville yep. Jacksonville screwed up the wide receiver market, and the Rams ruined football. Yep. That's that's all there is to it. All right, yep. we're gonna uh, kick a break here real quick for a minute and a half. And then we're going to be back with the Ray Carruth story. I got to try and move. I don't want to keep Connor waiting. He's got a ball game tomorrow. So uh, we're 20 minutes to nine. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with this week in sports history. Whenever you crack open a bush light, the mountain starts singing. It's cold and it's smooth and it's waiting for you. What is going on? Hit it, giant Kenny G. So smooth. It's for the mountains of bush like here. Hi, this is Brian Hagberg, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our new website, yourdailylocal.com. Your Daily Local is your new home for news, sports, and events in Warren County and beyond. Our goal is to cover the people, places, events, and happenings that matter to you in a variety of ways, including writing, video, and audio. And the best part, all of our content is available for free. Head to yourdailylocal.com to get the news you need when you need it. Let's take a look back at this week in sports history. This week in sports history brought to you by Your Daily Local. Visit yourdailylocal.com for news you need when you need it. Uh, Real quick before we get to that, JD says, whoa, what's wrong with a 12 handicap? I I agree, Sketty. What is wrong with a 12 handicap? I I wanted to address this. There's nothing wrong with a 12 handicap at all. That you're... You're better than probably 90% of the golfers in the world if you're a 12 handicap. 
I'm just not clearing time out of my schedule to watch you play golf. That's just like, that's it. If it was Jimmy G, if Jimmy G was in that, you'd be kicked back with a box of tissues and your favorite scented hand lotion watching that shit. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even watch because I would just know that Jimmy G is going to win. So, like, just, you know, talk to me in four hours when it happened. On the last hole. It would have to be, right? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. All right, sports history. Uh, we are getting into – no, Darren, get out of here. He asked if it's pay-per-view. No, it's on TNT, bro. Come on. It used to be pay-per-view, so Darren's not far off. No, he the it, first it did. One was it was like the first yeah. one when it was Tiger versus yeah. Phil. Yeah, they can't they can't charge for twelve handicaps playing against each other. But anyway, Fair. Ray Carruth. Ray Carruth, we're on to it. So Ray Carruth, every, a lot of people are familiar with this story. We're just going to get into the details about it. Wide receiver from the Carolina Panthers, who uh, you know was involved in a uh, plotted homicide. So he was the first team All-American at Colorado, the 27th pick in the 97 draft. His rookie season put up some good numbers, so he had high hopes. Uh, he's 44 receptions, 544, and four touchdowns. Uh, going into his second year, he breaks his foot. That's 1998. In June of 1998, he is at a pool party where he meets a woman by the name of Cherica Adams, who was a Charlotte area woman, real estate agent, slash stripper. Interesting combination. Uh Fell out of touch. They they kind of just talked here and there. Uh, and then in November of 98, at a teammate's birthday party at the strip club where uh, Adams worked, they, you know, meet up again. And this is when they kind of start having this uh, relationship that Caruth describes as based on sex, hookups, uh, no intentions of anything more of a relationship or anything like that. Uh, so... According to Caruth, they hooked up about five times, but, uh, you know, never had anything until she got pregnant. So he gets her pregnant. Uh, her friends claim that Adams wanted to start a family with Caruth. Uh, Caruth had other plans, clearly. Uh, he was uh, paying child support already to his high school sweetheart, who he had a child with in Sacramento, California. Uh, he asks Adams to have an abortion. She refuses. However, this is a claim that Caruth disputes. He said that he never asked her to do that. Uh, so who knows? You know, it's, it's two sides there. In 1999, Caruth uh, meets a man by the name of Van Brett Watkins, who was a security guard at a strip club. He hired, Caruth hired him to do odd jobs. They didn't say what the odd jobs were, but I can only imagine probably like maybe security or something like that. Uh, they met through a mutual friend. So Watkins is a New York native, bad dude, uh, served a lot of time, claims he has killed four people uh, prior to Adams, uh, and they were all hired hits. So Caruth asks Watkins uh, to jump her, basically, and beat the shit out of her, get her to change her mind about having this kid. He, believe it or not, Watkins had, a, like, he was a little hesitant because, uh, he didn't want to beat up a woman, and he was also hesitant because he said, I don't beat people up. I kill them. <laughs> so the deal was $3,000 up front, $3,000 more after you know he, he kills her. So they have several ideas they toss around, but training camp's coming up. Uh, nothing materialized. They, they, he wanted uh, – Caruth wanted to be at training camp when it happened so that it wouldn't um, 
you know, he'd have an alibi. He's here. It happened here. Couldn't have been him. Uh, but that didn't pan out, clearly. So in November of 1999, Adams, who was eight months pregnant at the time, uh, because it's getting so close to birth, Caruth starts to get a little impatient. So he arranges a date with her where they're going to go to the movies in South Charlotte. Uh, prior to the date, Caruth meets with Watkins, a guy by the name of Michael Kennedy, who is a local drug dealer to that area, and Kennedy's best buddy, Stanley Abraham, who is also in the drug game. Uh, and they decide that they are going to use Kennedy's Neon, uh, Nissan Altima. And Kennedy also acquired a 38 revolver uh, to give to Watkins to, to do this. So while they're on the date, Watkins, uh, Abraham, and Kennedy are all just cruising around waiting for this date to end. Uh, date ends just before midnight. Caruth tells Adams uh, that he's going to stay at her house. They're in separate cars because they met at the movie theater. So as they're driving, Caruth in front. They're heading to Adams's house. Caruth in front, Adams in the back. Watkins and those guys pull up behind them. So they're traveling three cars down uh, a road, which is called uh, Ray Road. And just prior to McAndrew Drive in South Charlotte, Caruth stops his car in the middle of the road, forcing her to stop. When she stops, Kennedy drives the car out around. Uh, they. Watkins shoots her, hits her four times, gets out, thinks she's dead, gets back in the car. They all take off. The problem was Adams wasn't dead. She's still alive. Uh, she's bleeding profusely, but she calls 911. Uh, she says she's been shot. You know, she says, I've been shot. I've been shot. I'm at Wessex Square. And in the 911 call, she actually implicates Caruth. She says that uh, a car, he stopped and then a car pulled up next to me and they asked her like, do you think he's involved? And she's like, I, you know, I don't know, but it seemed, you know, she could tell it wasn't sitting right. So the ambulance arrives as Adams, uh, ends up in a front yard of somebody's house, blaring the horn. Uh, the guy's name is Farrell Blaylock. He comes out, the ambulance gets there. They transport her to Carolina medical center. Uh, keep in mind pregnant. They have a emergency C-section and uh, they do that at 1.42 a.m., which is 80 minutes after she was actually shot. So she wakes up after surgery and actually answers questions to the detectives, but she has to do it by pen and paper. So she's writing notes to the detectives who are investigating this. And uh, one of the questions they ask is, do you think Ray did it? And she just drew a question mark. After questioning, uh, Adams went back to sleep and she never woke up again. She ends up in a coma at this point. So they get the, uh, they track down Kennedy and he sings like a bird, implicates Watkins. Watkins is arrested immediately. At that point, Caruth is arrested on Thanksgiving Day, which is, uh, or, and then days later, he posts the $3 million bail that they set for him. Several conditions were set by the judge for the bail. Uh, if Adams, one of which is if Adams or the baby, because the baby wasn't doing well either because it had a uh, severe lack of oxygen going to the brain. Uh, if either Adams or the baby passes away, the baby whose name is Chancellor Lee, by the way, uh, if either of them die, he's to turn himself in because that's when the charges are going to be, you know, advanced at that point. On December 14th, uh, at the age of 24, 
Adams passes away. This is after about a month of being in a coma. And on, uh, or they then bump up the charges to first degree murder. And instead of turning himself in, Carruth flees. So this is part of the story I didn't know. I, I didn't know that it went like this far in depth, but uh, Carruth then convinces Wendy Cole, a friend of his, to take him in. She comes and picks him up. He hides in a trunk of her Toyota Camry. They travel west through the night on Interstate 40 before they get to a Best Western just off the interstate. This is in uh, Wildersville, Tennessee. Carew's mother, who's aware of what's going on, fearing for uh, Ray's life, calls the bondsman and says, hey, this is where he's at. The FBI pinpoints the location. Uh, They track down Cole. Meanwhile, Carruth stayed in the trunk the entire time. He didn't even get out to like go into the room, just stayed in the trunk. Um, they talked to Cole for a while. She finally cracks and says, hey, he's in the trunk. Uh, the FBI agents, you know, consult with him through the trunk like, Ray, we know, you know, you're, you're stuck. You ain't going anywhere. They pop the trunk. He gives himself up willingly. He gets taken into custody. So. Facing a, a first-degree homicide charge, uh, the defense takes a drug deal gone bad route, is what they're claiming, that Kennedy and Watkins and Abraham were way more involved than Carruth was. They did this despite, you know, because they were mad at him for a bad drug deal. So Kennedy, but Kennedy testifies and refutes that. Uh, as far as the Carruth side, He had several teammates come in and testify like character witnesses for him. Uh, Moose and Muhammad was the one, you know, big one that I recognized his name. But uh, and then, of course, the prosecutors got like all of Ray Caruth's exes (laughs) to testify. So they were, you know, as great as the character witnesses may have been, it was all shot down by everybody who's ever been in a relationship with him. But then Watkins testifies, and this was kind of the deal breaker. He says, you know, he was hired uh, and the jury bought that. However, on January 19, 2001, he's found guilty, but he's found guilty of conspiracy and two lesser charges, not guilty of first degree murder. The jury said, agreed that it was a charging issue and that he shouldn't have been charged with the uh first degree murder because he wasn't the trigger man. He should have been charged with second degree. And they said that we would have found him guilty of, but he wasn't charged with that. So he was sentenced to 18 years and 11 months minimum, no more than 24 years, 20 or 24 years and four months credit with time for 13 months served. Kennedy did 11 years. He was released in 2011 Abraham did less than two years, released in 2001. Uh, Watkins isn't getting out until 2046 because he was the, you know, the killer. He's the trigger man. Ray Carruth, now 48 years old, is out of prison and living right here in the great state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> don't Did know where. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know where. It didn't say where, but he, he's in PA. He lives with a friend, according to the articles I found, so. Uh, the interesting part is there's like forgiveness letters between the family and Carruth and and different players. Watkins uh, was given forgiveness by the family through letters. Uh, but one of Watkins' letters, he said, I'll never forgive Ray Carruth. And the only thing I'm thinking about while I'm in here is how I'm going to kill him when I get out. 
So stay tuned. I hope he gets out stay early. Stay tuned for the things that sting in the year 2046. <laughs> we might be might be talking about a dead Ray Carruth. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, but that's it. That's the Ray Carruth story. So I just wanted to get through that. And we, you know, we made that list of stories we're going to go through. And that was one of them. So it was, it was neat reading about that a little bit. This week in sports history is brought to you by Your Daily Local. Visit Your Daily Local for the news you need when you need it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Skeddy on. Hey there, everyone. This is Phil with JP Photography. I know, I know. A photography ad on a sports show? I get it. You're here for sports talk and listening to Joe and Skeddy's insane rambling. Wait, what? But bear with me for a few. I just want to tell you that JP Photography not only offers wedding photography, but also does events, engagements, headshots, family photos, and even some product photography. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for JP Photography or go directly to our website at johnphilphotography.com. That's J-O-N-P-H-I-L photography.com. Hey everyone, it's Sketty, and I want to give a shout out to Rocket Detailing in North Warren. They make it super convenient and easy to have your car detailed. It's a high quality detail at an affordable price. They came and picked up my truck, got all the winter shit off, and dropped it back off looking brand new. You spend so much time driving to work and running errands, why not make your commute a more pleasant one? Contact Rocket Detailing, 814-313-4462 to set up an appointment. Or give their Facebook page a follow if you want to see some shiny cars. Mention Beehive for 10% off your detail. He's absolute trash. Skeddy on. Let's have a listen to what Skeddy is on this week. Zero percent chance that works. <laughs> this week, Skeddy on Sports brought to you by Rocket Detailing. 814-313-4462. Follow them on Facebook. And don't forget to mention us, Beehive, for 10% off your uh, next detail. Hey, real qu- and also real quick, before we get to... Uh, Skeddy on death threats. I want to give a shout out to our other commercial there, Phil, who just received yep. the governor's award for uh, promoting community and economic revitalization. So he got a huge award for Pennsylvania. He's in city council for those of you who don't know, but shout out, Phil. Good job. Should have had a uh, TBSP shirt on while you accepted that award. We'll forgive you. Suit and tie look good. But one of our, you know, one of our shirts would have yeah. looked better. Next time. Next time, Philly. <laughs> All right, Skeddy. We're on death threats. Yeah. So apparently people have been uh, giving Debo Samuel death threats over this whole contract situation that might not even be a contract situation. He basically just took the diner stuff off of his uh, Instagram. Makes no sense to me. Like, if you're going to do that, just give up on life. You're a piece of shit. Like, how are you going to threaten someone's life? And I know none of our listeners are people that are going to be, you know, giving these death threats to people. But, like, you shouldn't even be mad. The dude is one of the best receivers in the game. Goes for A.J. Brown. Goes for uh, Terry McLaurin. The same thing. Like, these guys are just using their skills to get paid, as they should. They go out there and blow a knee out. That's it. They're not getting another contract. I'm totally for them. Like, as much as I want Debo to come back, if $25 million is his price and the Niners don't want to give it to him, I'm sure someone else is. So 
I don't know how you can be mad at it. If you're one of those people that get mad because someone's holding out on your team or another team, like just get over it. These people are people too. They got to make money. Let them make their money. Just get over it. It is what it is. Part of life. That's how the country works. Nothing to be mad about at all. Agree. I think these are a bunch of internet troll pussies who sit back and like threaten the life anonymously behind the computer screen of yeah. an NFL player because he might leave your team because he wants more money. He's chasing yeah. the market. Yeah. Blame well, the Jaguars. I mean, if yeah. you're going to threaten anybody, threaten the fucking Jaguars. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I mean, like, simple as that. Who just get mad? Like, if like I even like Steelers fans like getting pissed because now like Le'Veon Bell like he didn't have a realistic price range for himself. He was never going to get what he wanted. But like Debo will get twenty five million from somebody. Like AJ Brown will probably get twenty five million from somebody. Like you know, what, there's nothing to be mad about. Like just let these guys go get paid. Like not even to the extreme of giving a death threat. Like just don't even be pissed off. Like yeah, it sucks if you can't get it done, but it is what it is. Yeah. It- it's, I mean, realistically, if I was a douche who was going to send death threats to anybody in this particular situation, it would be whoever was like, hey, I got a really good idea for a contract for Christian Kirk. Like, that'd be the well, guy. But, like, yeah, well, yeah, but could you even be like, can you fathom being mad at Stefan Diggs if he said, hey, I want whatever, $25 See, million would, dollars a year in the bill said... Well, no, we're not paying you that. Like, would you? You would be like mad at all? Like, I would cry. Yeah, I mean, like, if they lose, not not angry tears, not angry tears. It would be like just pure sadness. I'm glad they locked him up. I don't want because I love that guy. I don't want the forty nine. I don't want the forty niners to lose Debo, but I also like have a brain and realize twenty five million dollars is a lot for a wide receiver. So, if that's what he wants and the team doesn't feel he's worth it, I think that's stupid by the team, but. If that's where they're at, that's where they're at. There's nothing to be pissed off about. Like right now, Nick Bosa, if they let him walk and don't give him whatever he wants, then I might get angry. That that's where I'll draw my line. For, for an that. edge rusher, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I don't so know if I quite death threat. That might get some death threats going. Yeah, I do love me some Nick some, Bosa though. Some He's, thoughts in your in your head though. I might I might at least think it in my head. Right. Thinking, what are you doing? There you go. Yeah, but, kill that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I just yeah, yeah I just I got mind. you. All right, wrap her up. This week's Sketty on Sports was brought to you by Rocket Detailing, 814-313-4462. Follow them on Facebook, and don't forget to mention us, the Beehive, for 10% off your next detail. We'll be right back with the things that sting. Jones Pest Control, your hometown pest control company, servicing residential and commercial properties in Warren and surrounding areas since 2015. Sean and his crew will work tirelessly to keep your home or business free of insects to rodents and everything in between. Contact Jones Pest Control at 814-230-9548 and set up an appointment today. And remember, ants, spiders, bees, or mice, don't think twice. Call Jones Pest Control, 814-230-9548. Checkout means sales and services with two locations on Warren's east side. Their garage at 800 Lexington Avenue not only services cars sold by means, but has knowledgeable staff and modern state-of-the-art equipment waiting to serve their hometown of Warren. Whatever you need, including alignments, tires, brakes, yearly or enhanced PA inspections, oil changes, and much more. Make your appointment today at 814 723 
7191 extension 2. now time for the things that sting the worst stories in sports according to joe this edition of the things that stings powered by jones pest control ants spiders bees or mice don't think twice call jones pest control at 814-230-9548 let's get to it banners please number one last week uh, we talked in the things this thing about Glue Lady. Glue Lady glued herself to the floor at the T-Wolves play-in game uh, in protest of uh, Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Timberwolves, has an egg farm. Uh, she's from direct action everywhere and glues herself to the floor. They remove her, whatever, you know, end the story. It was fun for a whole two minutes. Nobody cared. Now they have their first home game in the playoffs. And we have another one <laughs> strike again. This one was identified, though. This is Zoe Rosenberg, who is a organizer for Direct Action Everywhere, chains herself to the hoop uh, midway through the second again. It is unknown how the metal chain got through security. So that's the problem. Okay, that's what I was, that was going to be my question. Yeah. How the hell did she get a chain through security? No, no. That doesn't make any Big sense. issue. So uh, you can expect now, from what I read, uh, the Timberwolves will be ramping up in a big way security at the games because these uh, disruptions keep happening. It has drawn zero attention from my brain to whatever it is that they're actually protesting uh, and more attention to the fact that these people are fucking insane. And uh, it just yep. what, find some, I couldn't imagine dedicating that much time in my life into hating something. It just can't do it. Yeah. Life's too short. Kelvin Joseph. The Cowboys defensive back uh, last month was involved in an incident. Surveillance video has now been released by Dallas PD uh, where a shooting occurred and a 20-year-old male has succumbed and has passed away from the gunshot wounds. The vehicle the gunshots came from, Kelvin Joseph, the Cowboys defensive back, was a passenger in. So uh, the surveillance video shows two groups of people. Kelvin Joseph's people and Cameron Ray's people get into uh, a little spat shortly after the uh, Cameron Ray's group of people were walking to their car. An SUV goes by, which Joseph was in. Gunshots ring out. Ray was shot and ended up passing away at the hospital uh, after he was taken there. So the Cowboys have encouraged uh, Kelvin Joseph to speak to police. He does. Uh, and the day after he speaks to police, two guys are arrested and charged with the homicide. Uh, Aries Jones and Tivion English, both of Baton Rouge, were charged with homicide. They were in the vehicle with Calvin Joseph. So his associates, uh, sounds like a fall guy situation to me. He goes either that or he completely snitched on his friends, one of the two. But uh, Joseph's attorney 
is adamant that he was a passenger and not the shooter. Could be some issues arise from this when it comes uh, game time uh, because the Cowboys, like I said, are clearly aware and actually encouraged Calvin Joseph to go talk to police. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, Back with uh, Deshaun Watson. So more stuff coming up, which we didn't think there would be. Kind of, you know, just waiting on suspension status at this point. Uh, But the lawyers uh, for the 22 women subpoenaed Houston Texans club uh, records, including non-disclosure agreements and correspondence relating to the allegations. So they're asking for any communication with Watson between Watson and Houston security staff, coaches, and the head trainer. Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, doesn't think the Texans have any communication that's going to impact the case. So he's He's blowing this off, uh, but they're going after something for a reason, would be my guess. And whether it's just to be proven wrong, like, yeah, okay, yeah, there's nothing there. But we'll take a look, you know, rather than take a word for it. So that's uh, number three. So uh, now we have more on the Watson case to follow. We're going to get into the rundown quick, and then we will be getting Connor in here. Where is my music? You ready? We only got about six or six or seven quick ones. Former Texas A&M, Philadelphia Eagle, Falcon, and Raider, Ed Jasper, 49 years old, passes away. No cause has been listed other than uh, one person close to the situation said that he had deteriorating health. I was curious if it was going to be a CTE issue or anything like that. Nothing's come out on that. Next up, this one goes out to Tory Means. Red's owner, Phil Castellini, asked... Fans, where are you going to go on home opening day when frustrated fans were voicing their opinions about uh, the state of the roster, where they're allocating funds, etc.? It was a it's not being well received. If you Google this situation, he's getting roasted by just about everybody because he basically insulted the entire fan base, telling them they should be careful what they ask for, because if they want to compete right now, the only way to do that would be to pack up the team and move it. So Kind of a dick thing to say. Uh, I feel for Reds fans in that. Uh, Since he made these comments, the Reds have lost six straight, being outscored 43 to 15, and they have the worst record in baseball at two and eight. So not great. Uh, Kyrie Irving drains a a three-pointer in the game yesterday against the Celtics and then flips off the fans. I support this. I don't see a problem with it. He's hearing much worse shit on that floor from fans heckling him. If he flips him a bird, I'm I'm over the high road. Take the high road. Fuck that. If they're yeah. gonna give him a bunch of shit, he drains a three and gives him the bird. I'm fine with it. I have no no issue with that at all. I used to. At one point in my life, that that would have bothered me. Not anymore. He's taking a bunch of shit. Give it back. Drain a three. Flip yep. him off. Move on. They did lose the game, but I still think they'll win that series. Here's the one nobody's going to give an absolute shit about. Great Britain is stripped of their silver medal in the 4x100-meter relay uh, in Tokyo for a doping scandal. Don't care. Do you care? Yep. Not not particularly. No. No. Posted that on the Facebook page. In case anybody wanted to know, I don't think anybody did, but I'll throw it out there anyways. Floyd Mayweather offers to pay a team $20 million dollars if they sign Antonio Brown and it doesn't work out. So it's like an insurance policy. They're saying he's saying if you sign this guy, 
which I'm sure there's some sort of rules against this somewhere. It's, like he can't just pay them $20 million. It, it's more like a bet, not an insurance policy. He's telling <laughs> the team, you sign him. And then if he doesn't have any problems, you give me $20 million. Oh, he did say that? So he, they would have to pay him $20 that was, million. That, that, that was the way I read it was. I'm not a general he manager, he was just saying but I, I am a gambler and I like the odds in that. If I'm a general manager, yeah. I'm, I'm rolling the dice. That's what I was thinking. That's it's never going to work out with Antonio Brown. You could make it. You could make it. Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown's good enough to, to be worth the twenty million dollars. So yeah, fuck it. You Let's could, do you, it. You could make him quit if you wanted to. Oh, like, easily. Clearly, yeah. he's easily like easily triggered. You can get him fired up. Like if it's not working out, but he's like, I'm not quitting because twenty million. I'd just be like, watch, watch this. I can get yeah. you out the door. Uh, fans and analysts are mad at the Timberwolves. We talked about them uh, earlier. I'm about a week late on this one, actually, but they're mad at the Timberwolves yeah. because of the celebration they had after they won the play-in game. Uh, it did look similar to maybe a NBA championship celebration. I don't care. Another thing I'm fine with. It's a play-in game. It's win or go home. If you win game seven, you fucking celebrate, right? Yeah. The, the play-in game is game seven. I don't... Yeah, but there's still more games after it. It's not, it doesn't matter. It's, it is game seven. It's the first game. Like that's like going out and saying, are they going home? No, they're not going. Well, not yet. They're not, but they still could at some point in time during the season. They still could. You look look like a jackass now. If you get in and then get blown out in the first series, like already one stupid, already up one, nothing. Maybe they played enough. I I don't even know. I don't know. I, I, I don't care. That's another thing that didn't bother me. It's a winner go home game. Let them let them celebrate. They're happy. There's more to it. Beverly, you know, had some issues with the Clippers. He was happy to send them home. I'm fine with it. This one's probably my favorite. Well, I have two favorites, but this is one of them. Minnesota Wild Center Ryan Hartman is fined four thousand two hundred and fifty dollars for unsportsmanlike conduct after a fight with uh, Evander Kane. Okay, so after the fight, they're okay. still exchanging words. Boom, another bird gets flipped, and people are pissed off, so he gets fined. He flips off of Andrew Kane after the fight. He gets fined 4K. Best part about it, they started to go, or somehow his Venmo got out there, and people started sending him money, like fans. But not just fans. Evander Kane's ex-wife sent him 200 bucks to go towards his fine. <laughs> That's a- well, wasn't he the one that was in trouble for gambling on games? Yeah, well, no, well, they was investigated unfounded, but he does owe like every casino in Vegas a bunch of money, and yeah. uh, his wife, like, they had like issues. I think that's why they split up, is because he yeah. was like ga- gambling, partying all the time, and and whatnot, you know. Last one, I saved the last, last and best, best for last. You know what I mean? Colin Kaepernick breaks the silence, saying he's willing to be a backup quarterback. Bullshit. Could have done that. In 2016, you'd still be in the league. He, he knows he's out washed up now. He knows that he now he can say, "Oh, look, I tried, and they still don't want me." He's, so he's guy's brilliant. Almost guy brilliant. Almost guy in sports. Almost simultaneously, Baker Mayfield's listed as the favorite for the Carolina Panthers. Robbie Anderson pissed off once Colin Kaepernick. Why wouldn't he? These two live the same life. Robbie Anderson was arrested three years ago for going 105 and a 45, flees from police, then resists arrest, 
and threatens the cop's family, the uh, family member, saying he's going to, you know, injure or kill one of his family members. So those two are cut from the same mold. Uh, I hope that Kaepernick gets it. I want him to start somewhere so that he can be bad, get cut, and we can all move on from that entire thing. That's just it. Just needs to happen. Let it happen. It, it, he's at the point where he can't even be a backup. That's the he, only reason he would say, "I'll be a backup." Right. He doesn't want to play football. He's making too much money to not play football to play football. Agreed. Agreed. All right. That's it for the things that sting. So we're going to get out of here so we can get on to my hive and get Connor in here running. a. Yeah, we're about on time. Things that sting is brought to you by Jones Pest Control. Ants, spiders, bees, or mice don't think twice. Call Jones Pest Control at 814-230-9548. Going to take a quick break. Well, it won't be that quick because I got to get him in here. But we're going to get Connor in here for my hive. We'll be back in a few minutes.
Blue Line Auto, located at 1606 Pennsylvania Avenue East in Warren, is locally owned and operated and is a family-run business specializing in vehicle sales and service. They offer state and safety inspections and general car repairs, including but not limited to brakes and rotors, tires, oil changes, batteries, starters, and alternators. They also offer vehicle undercoating prior to winter to help keep your vehicle protected. Currently, their hours are Monday through Wednesday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., and Thursday and Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Call them today to schedule your next appointment at 814-230-9061. Your safety is their goal. Hi, this is Ryan Klein, the host of the new pop culture podcast, Me, Myself, and Ryan. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. Special guests, breakaway shows, bonus episodes, cold beers, and a whole lot more. So what are you guys and gals waiting for? Subscribe now to the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast on Spotify or wherever it is that you get your shows and start listening today. My High, Joe and Skeddy's very own world of sports. My Hive is presented by Blue Line Auto. For all your automotive needs, call Blue Line Auto at 814-230-9061 or stop in at 1606 Pennsylvania Avenue, Eastern Warren. With us tonight, we have AAA Syracuse Mets starting pitcher, Connor Gray. Connor, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, how are you? Good. Good to see you. Glad everything's everything's going all right. We watched you pitch. Uh, what was it been uh, Saturday night of Masters? Did you pitch? That was the night, right? Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, I think we it, we yeah. watched your outing that night over at Kyle's house. So, uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you, and we know you're on a on a day off. And we're gonna get to that because I want to. That's one of our questions. We're gonna get to is uh, what your life is like on a day off. No problem. <laughs> uh so real quick for i mean some listeners will know this some may not uh connor is the brother of kyle who's a co-worker of mine at wpd so he's gathered uh a good you know fan base out of a lot of police officers down in warren and and even our whole our whole town like you know you got uh Frewsburg native so you're not not far yeah. away but uh we're gonna start you off with a question that you're you, you're never gonna see this coming all right so Kyle, yeah, was he always like uh, first up at Christmas and uh, like? Are you a morning person, like Kyle? Is? No, not at all. I'm the okay. very opposite. So has was he always oh, I'm in the dark? <laughs> you're good. Right. You're good. Yeah, uh, things on so, a timer in here. So you're not. None of us are either at work. At, at least that I can tell. Uh, so Kyle prides himself on being as chipper as he can when he comes in for day shift. And uh, there's been a few times I thought Mumford, you know, might actually kill him. I wasn't, it, it didn't happen, <laughs> but it, the, here's, here's the problem with Kyle though, is we actually, he, he noticed that we hated it so much, how chipper he is in the morning. So he did it more. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's just harnessed it. 
And all now right. he, yeah, now he just terrorizes all of us every morning, but we, we love Kyle and uh, you know, we're, we, I can tell you, I can speak for him in saying that he's your number one supporter. Uh, thinks the world of you is super proud of you. So, all right, let's get going. We're going to start with the day off. What is the uh, the life of a AAA pitcher on a, on a what, five-day? Are you on a five-day rotation? What's your rotation yeah, like? Five-day, yeah. Okay, five so, so a day off for you, like today, no scheduled game. What do you do on a day off? Uh, well, last night we got in about, I think it was like 1230 from the bus from Columbus. So, uh, got home last night. I slept in till like 1030. Nice. And then, uh, I went to the field today on the off day, uh, (laughs) got, did a little bit of recovery treatment, uh, and then kind of just hung out, got some food and then just watching base. We were trying to watch some baseball, but it all got canceled because of the weather. So, if you had a scheduled game today, though, your routine wouldn't change, right? You'd still go do the recovery stuff. Like, not yeah. if you're not yeah. if you're pitching, but if you guys had a game tonight, your team, you'd still be at the stadium doing your thing, like normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, yeah. never change, uh, never I, changes. Yep, uh, I usually try to throw or every day for the most part, uh, but today uh, the arm was hanging a little bit yesterday <laughs> during my bullpen, so uh, I kind of took the day off and just did some recovery stuff. So let's start at the beginning, Connor. I know, obviously, Frewsburg to St. Bonaventure. Let's start with uh, St. Bonaventure. Uh, you know, they looked at you yep. pitching for Frewsburg, right? Yeah, very late, but uh, they, they came and saw me. Hey, good good move on their part, it looks like. So uh, go ahead and start with St. Bonaventure and how the, the draft process worked and where you ended up and all that and just kind of guide us along how, how it's all come to be. Uh, so the f- my first year at St. Bonaventure, I was kind of like the just a, uh, I was kind of like the first out of the bullpen uh, as a freshman. So I, I got in when we were typically winning, but he was kind of saving me. And then we didn't really have a great year, so it was kind of uh, he was. I would always get have to pitch on Sundays because he was wait, waiting to pitch me, and then I would just have to throw. So then uh, my sophomore year, I ended up breaking into the rotation. Uh, had a pretty good year, so I got some interest in in draft. But since it's a four year school, I'm not allowed to get contacted until I'm a junior. So the junior junior year came. I had a few questionnaires throughout the year. Uh, I went to a pre draft workout with the Brewers, but uh, Coach Subrook sent me or sat me down, and he uh, he told me basically with my build that I'm not very projectable. <laughs> One of the good things about Subrick was that he's very honest with you and right. he's like uh he's like you're not the biggest right now so and you're only throwing like 90 91 at the time he's like you're really not going to get taken as a junior so uh the best thing is just focus on next year and then work work hard and then kind of put everything into that and that's what I did and I threw really well my senior year and then got a lot of more got a lot more teams interested in me and then ended up getting uh drafted by the D-backs and I mean the scout for the D-backs was like texting me almost every week by the up, uh, leading up to the draft, asking if I was sign if I would sign, and it was just the same question over and over again. And then uh, I think it was the <laughs> third day, middle of Saturday, and he called me and said they drafted me. So it was a whirlwind. Is that is that so different? Obviously, there's like how many rounds? There's a shitload of rounds in the. Uh, back then there was forty, but they cut it down to twenty now. Okay, so forty rounds. 
So yeah. you're not you're not hosting a draft day party every day for no. 40, 40 years. No. No. <laughs> it's a lot of pizza and beer. Yeah. Yeah, that'd <laughs> so, be a long day. Yeah. So uh so you get drafted by Arizona. Yep. Where you go uh, first? Uh so I got called at well, he called me around I think two or three saying I got drafted, and then he's like, I'll call you later with the details. So he called me around, I think it was 6.30. We just went out to get dinner and celebrate, and then he called me and said, hey, uh, we need you in Oregon in two days. So (laughs) I was supposed to end up taking the MCAT the next week, and so I couldn't do that. And then uh, they're like, we need you in Oregon. So I packed up. I was in Oregon in two days and then signed my contract, and then – I think two days in the mini camp that we had there. And then I got shipped off to Montana to play in Missoula. Missoula Osprey, right? Yep. I remember yep. when you were there. So yep. I, I, can't, I could almost probably name every team you've been on, but not in a, it'd be hard for me to do it in a row. So uh, we'll fast forward a little bit. COVID hits. Yep. Uh, and then that that's when you got your probably only real bit of bad news you've had so far throughout your career, right? Yeah, uh, it was, uh, I think, May 28th. We call it D-Day for us minor <laughs> leaguers who ended up getting released uh, because there were so many of us who got released that day. And uh, they called and said, hey, we're going to release you. Uh, we don't have room for you really in the org, so we're just going to have to let you go. So, And this was a, a COVID thing, right, because they had teams yeah. not playing? Yeah, and then, like, uh, I think three of their teams got contracted, so they ended up losing their rookie ball teams and their short season teams. So then, like, the whole org got shrunk. So, so what happens then? I mean, you're probably, probably – I mean, I could only imagine that, you know, you're you're trying to work towards your dream, obviously, yeah. and then and this happens. So this is, like, worst day of your life, potentially. Yeah. Uh, and then- so I was working out all of COVID – still uh preparing because i thought with the spring i had and how good i felt i thought i was going to get invited to the alt site that year and maybe possibly even debut i thought that year would have been the year i would have debuted because just got just how the way i felt going into spring training it was the hardest i threw i had a really good spring training i got in a big league game uh but so i was staying ready hoping to get that phone call to go to the alt site and uh it didn't happen and then i got that call and then i had a few indie ball teams reach out to me that that summer asking if I wanted to play uh and uh I talked to my agent he's like the scouts aren't really coming out for those games because of COVID so uh it's kind of not worth getting hurt during that that time so he's like I'll just take this year off and then kind of focus for next year and then we were trying to get teams in for an invite for spring training and we didn't end up getting that and then so I decided to go to indie ball the following year in Chicago and this is where we get to Kane County, right? No, this was in the Chicago Dogs. Kane County okay. was my low A team with the D-backs. Oh, it was. Yeah. Well, my shit. first start, my first start with the Chicago Dogs was against Kane County. Okay, so well we got we got to go backwards. We got to go backwards then because <laughs> All right. so we're going back before COVID now. So we're yeah, boxing around. My in, t- you know, my timeline's in, not great here, so I was in Kane in 17. And you made history. I did. I did. You made history by throwing Kane County's Kane County Cougars only perfect game. Yep. Which I actually found uh, the video today. 
because I was trying to hunt down a picture of you to put yeah. on the, to put on the uh, and I wanted a cool one. I was hoping to find one in the Mets gear, but I couldn't get any good yeah. ones, uh, so I used an older one. But uh, um, I did find the video of your last out. You the pop fly to I think it was right field. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you're you know arms up immediately. So what I want to know because that's an intense situation for sure. Uh, like at what point did you, like, did you, did you ever start to just feel sick? Like, holy shit. Like this is, we're this close. I never really felt sick. Uh, what did you I feel? Mean, I mean, in the sixth inning, I knew I had it going by then I went through the, the lineup twice. So once you flip the lineup twice, it's like, okay, like this, there's a real possibility here. Right. The weird thing is I threw a terrible bullpen pregame. And first pitch of the game goes to the warning track. And I'm like, so it's going to be one of these days. So I wasn't pretty pleased with that. So I ended up grinding it out. And then by the sixth inning, I'm like, holy smokes, I'm perfect. So, uh, I so let's get on. And then let's get into the in like, and, yeah, go to the ninth inning. How are you feeling? The ninth inning I uh, started or I punched out the, the first two of the inning. Uh, I, I think I had them both one, two. So not, there wasn't really... I wasn't down in the count. wasn't nervous right. for those. And then the last hitter, I went 2-0. So I went – I didn't – I go to myself. I stepped off. Like, I didn't come this far to just walk this guy. Right. So uh, I ended up throwing a – I think I threw the lap, next one right down the middle just to see if I could get a strike. And I ended up did. And then I painted the next one. And then uh, I tried to punch him out, but I, I, I couldn't. I wanted to end it on a strikeout. Yeah, but, it's uh, a – But you fly, – Fly ball to the right. It works. It works. So that's no, that's cool. And uh, I remember, I remember specifically when that happened because I think Kyle was about to like have a bird. Uh, he was, <laughs> he's like, you're not gonna, you know, he's like getting a hold of me, like, dude, yeah. check this out. And I was like, damn. So obviously, uh, you know, that had to whether it's low A or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's you're still in the minor leagues, and that you know that had to have caught some attention of some people somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it definitely did uh, because the next year I, I I was only in low A for about a month. And then the next season I started in high A. So uh, it was quite a jump from that year being in short season and being extended and then going straight to high A. Triple A, triple A spot start too, right? For uh, I, I, yeah, I was in, When I was in extended, I was the guy who got sent around uh, to do the spot starts. <laughs> so I had a spot start in AAA there, and then I came out of the bullpen once in AAA. Who, well. What team were you pitching for? The Reno Aces. Reno Aces. Tri- so yeah, that so, was our AAA team. So then you played against the Astros AAA club because I remember. Yeah, that uh, was my I, first outing in AAA. It was against Fresno. Fresno, they were, and they yeah. and we had a conversation about this at Kyle's uh, wedding reception there. Because Derek didn't Derek Fisher take you yard or something like that? No, he he had a blue pit against me. I think. Did he? Yes, yeah, I didn't get taken yard there. We're gonna we're gonna look back at this and, and all right. Find out. <laughs> I I know that he had a blue pit against me. Somebody took you yard that like got some no, time I up. Didn't. Nobody. I uh not in the against the Astros. No, no. I think I only gave up one run that that day, and it was a blue pit that was the only guy who scored. Because so. Fisher got some time up in the uh, pros for for Houston. Yeah, that for was a little right. While. I think right after the World Series. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, it was before the World Series. All right, so we're gonna now we're fast forward and back to Chicago Dogs. Yep. So you're in Chicago, you're pitching for the Dogs, and this yeah. is this is this still was, indie ball. Yeah, this was last year. Yeah. Uh, so my goal going into it was because I believed I should have been an affiliated ball regardless. 
So my goal was to be there for a month. That was my personal goal. I'm like, if I pitch well, I should, I should get seen and get an opportunity. So, uh, uh, I started off throwing well. I had, I think I had one bad game, but I mean, that was nothing, but and then I finished the lat the, that month with two really good starts. I think I went seven innings, one run, and eight innings, one run, uh, both with like seven or eight Ks or something like that. So it's pretty decent. I, fin- <laughs> I finished pretty well, and then uh, so I was getting ready to start actually for it was right when Kyle had his reception, and I was flying back home, and I would have had to start the day after the wedding, and I was going to fly back to Chicago that Sunday, and that wedding was on a Saturday, so. So I was going to fly back in the morning to go to Sunday. And then they called me, I think on, I want to say it was Thursday. It was Wednesday or Thursday. That it was right. It was right before. I think it was the, I think it was Wednesday that they called and said, Hey, that we, we purchased your contract. And I heard, I was showering at the time, getting ready to leave. And uh, I heard the locker room erupt. And usually that meant someone was getting picked up. So uh, just so happened to be you. Yeah, I, I knew I had interest. I was talking to my agent that in the, that week, and he's like, there's a few teams asking for your stuff. We'll see how, where it goes from there. And then the Mets weren't one of them at the time, so uh, they kind of snuck in and, and took my contract. So, Not not a bad organization to be pitching right, yeah. with right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and you, so you, and you go right to double A from there, right? You went to Brooklyn? Yeah. There, no, I went, I went to bingo for a day. I threw that day on Sunday and then I went to Brooklyn because they didn't have a, a starting rotation spot in Brooklyn. Okay. So you go to Brooklyn. And bingo. Right. So yeah. And they had an opening in for the, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, and you finished the season with them. I finished summer, the season right? in, in Binghamton. Yeah. I got called up. Oh yeah. The rumble ponies. Yeah. I got called up about a month after I went back down to Brooklyn. So I finished the year in, in double A with bingo. Okay. And then uh, this year, so we're, we're, we're up to present present day. You get, uh, or I guess not present day, but talk about uh, spring training a little bit. Cause it was obviously it was not different for you, but it was yeah. different for the guys with the pro contracts. Cause they were locked out. Right. So yeah. So I had, a, I went to the fall league last year uh, and threw really well. So I was trying to just build momentum off that and, uh, so I went into spring training, trying to open some eyes and show, show them that I was working and doing what they kind of wanted me to do was try to develop my changeup or my split now. And so, uh, I worked all off season trying to get comfortable and build confidence in that. And I came into spring training and really opened some eyes and threw really well. And I ended up getting my, uh, my, uh, spot here in Syracuse. And you're but, in this uh, starting rotation for Syracuse right now. Yep. Yep. So, so I was, I went there the middle of February is when I reported. And then the big leaguers were there, I think, second week in March, I want to say. So what was the, so, there was a, you did a story with, a, well, the Post Journal, I believe, but they use them down here now in our paper as well, the Times yeah. Observer. Uh, so you did that story, and there's a brief bit about, uh, them having you go somewhere was it Arizona? Yeah, that was somewhere? the fall league. That was the fall league, and okay. so that was right after my season last year. Uh, I I think it started in October and ran to the weekend before Thanksgiving. Where was the place they sent you where it was just kind of to observe? 
because they had DeGrom and, and Scherzer. Oh, that was backing up the big league games when they they had big league games. Uh, so I went uh, – since I'm a starter, it's kind of harder for me to go there and throw because I'm on a set rotation of, okay, I need to throw this day, and then I have a bullpen this day, and then I throw in game this day again. So it was kind of more just to go there and watch and kind of observe how they they go about things. So uh, – which – was nice being able to see actually the ground warm up and go through his, his process and his routine. And then Scherzer was throw, getting ready on the backfield. So I didn't really get to, to see too much of that. So, did you, but I did didn't. you converse with them at all? No, they were too busy. Like I got, we ended up getting there a little later. And then, so they were already out in the field uh, because they were out. The ground was out there 40 minutes before game start. So you really couldn't talk to him. And then right. we were in the bull, we were in the bullpen. So uh, we we weren't in the dugout talk. So I couldn't talk to Degrom after he came out of the game. Okay. Uh, let's see where we're at here. Let's go with uh, best memories, favorite teammate that you've had so far. Uh, like along the way, you know, uh, who have you played with? Is there anybody who you kind of traveled with? It seemed you always yeah in the same uh, place. Uh, my best friend with from the D-backs, Riley Smith. Uh, every everywhere we went, or one of us went, the other always followed. It seems like uh, so. I was with him from my draft year all the way until I got released. Uh, so he was he made it up to the big leagues during COVID year. Uh, but I was always with him. I I still in in contact with him to this day. I, I'm always talking to him. But he's definitely my closest friend from baseball. Have you, had, have you had any uh, kind of like starstruck moments since you've been around some of these people? Uh, like, I, you ever, think, I don't go, think so. No? Uh, I mean, you, you face guys who are rehabbing, and then it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I think the biggest name I've faced was Justin Turner when he was rehabbing with after he broke his hand in uh, spring training. Did you get so him out? Was, I, yeah, he went 0 for 2 off me. So. <laughs> Good. My center field, my center fielder said uh, he was going to buy me a steak if I punched him out, but I got him to two strikes both times, and I couldn't do it. So well, we yeah. have a uh, one of our most avid listeners is a huge Dodgers fan, so I'm really glad that uh, he got to hear that because uh, <laughs> we we rag on him quite a bit. And actually, he posted a question. If anybody who's listening does have questions, feel free to put them in the comments. Uh, Darren wants to know. Uh, what your take is, and this is the Dodgers fan. Dodger, we yeah. call him Stat, we call him Stat Guy Darren because if there's like we're talking about something and we can't we don't know like there's yeah, a number he's, we're he's looking gonna, for. He's our he's Stat Guy. He'll in the comments in a, in a second. It's it's awesome. We should probably put him a, if we had a payroll, he'd be on it. Um, <laughs> so he wants to know uh, what is your take on Kershaw getting pulled uh, during the perfect outing he was having going on there? Uh, was that? A, week ago with the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know whose decision it was, whether it was his, like, because usually at that point, the manager asks like, Hey, how are you feeling? Like, do you want to keep going? So like, I know Garrett Cole said something about like, if, if it were me, like I wouldn't let him pull me. So, or it was some, somebody said something like, like if you're a dog and you have that dog mentality of like, no, you're not taking me out of this game. Right. Like, I don't care if it's early in the season. Like, in my, if that's me, I'm not getting pulled. I'm trying to finish that. Right. I don't yeah, like. It would have been the 24th and 
And like what? they said it's because it's a long season, but like you only <laughs> have a chance to do that so many times in your your career. And because I think there's 27 perfect games in MLB history. So 23. Like, or yeah, 23. So it's it would like, have been the, it would have been the 24th in like 220,000 exactly. games. So played. when is that? When are you like the chances of you having that again is it's slim to none. So you really have to take advantage of going for it at that time. I know I understand it's early in the season, but like. You were at 80 pitches. Your pitch count is usually up to 100, so right. you should be able. And the way he was throwing, he should have been able to probably get it. Yeah, if you're 80 pitches in the uh, eighth inning, so, I don't know a... whose decision. I don't know whose decision it was, but if I'm a pitcher, I'm not letting the manager take me out there. So uh, another topic, just to bring up real quick, because you, you, this is something we did discuss at the wedding that I do recall. Even even though you're saying I misremember the misremembered Roger Clemens, quote me. Uh, the, uh, uh, Derek Fisher thing anyways, but we talked about the foreign substance deal and how the, the crackdown yeah. on foreign substances and, uh, just what, what were some of your thoughts on, on some of the rule changes that they made as far as that went? Uh, I mean, I get why they did it because like the stuff that they were using is just absurdly sticky. Where, spider tech, right? Yeah, like spider tech. I don't see there should be no reason why you should be using that stuff. Like this, how sticky it is is incredible. Like you take the top off and it's literally like a spider web pulling it off. It's incredible. So like there should be no room for that in in like pitching. Like I get like like the like the natural stuff like sunscreen rosin like have some kind of tackiness. Like we use these balls out in Arizona that MLB was uh, experimenting with. And they had like, it was basically like rock climbing salt or like, it's kind of like tacky in a way. And then they rubbed up the baseballs with them. I liked them. A lot of people didn't, but I, I kind of liked them and they were tacky enough where you didn't have like, it was tacky where you had grip. And that's why I feel like a lot of pitchers kind of want to use that sticky stuff is because they need some kind of grip. They're not you like a lot of guys aren't using it to make their stuff nastier. Like in games where it's cold out or it's raining, like would you rather have a guy throwing a hundred and know where it's going, going and using right. a little bit of stick or would you rather have him not know where it's going and get hit in the head? Right. So, That's a good point. I actually never really thought about like, that way, like bringing the weather into it. Like when they're using sticky, like the real sticky stuff, I don't see. Yeah, that should be banned. But like sunscreen rosin and like minor stuff where it's like just giving grip and not giving like it's been tested that sunscreen rosin doesn't increase spin rate. It doesn't make your stuff any better. It's just giving you grip on the baseball. So like in terms of that, like if it's if it's been proven not to increase spin rate, then why is that banned? Like why are we not allowed to use it? Right. But so in my opinion, you should be able to have some kind of like that mixture of being able to have some grip because those balls are like cue balls. There's like, if they aren't properly rubbed up and they're like new rubbed up and the mud still like actually got some moisture in it, then they're fine. But like once that, that mud dries and becomes dust, then there's no grip on those balls. Yeah. Right. Getting the, the hot days of dry summer it probably becomes a little bit. Yeah. And harder. especially if you like when we were in Reno, uh, there's it's dry air so you're at elevation there's no moisture and the balls are just slick so i watched the uh i'm pretty sure i caught shohei otani cheating the other day but i didn't say anything because i'm not a rat like this year i'm not like my fires (laughs) this year has been a little different because uh 
normally they check your glove, your belt, your uh, your hat. And this year they've only had to check my pitching hand. So, which is odd that now that they've only check your hand and not right. any other things. So now well, I feel like guys can just put stuff back in their hat. Wherever they want. Uh, yeah. See, so yeah, Otani, exactly. Otani's got that nice black, long, longer kind of hair. And after every pitch, he's taking his hat off and running his fingers through his hair. I was like, he's cheating. Yeah. That's I, I caught him red-handed. But again, yeah. I'm not Mike Fires, so I'm not going to rat him out. If you, yeah. Otani, because I actually, I really like Otani. I just wish he was on a different team. Yeah. But, uh, um, Pitch pitch wise, what what's in your arsenal? I have the main three, and then I just switch from a changeup to a split. So I got the fastball. I throw a four seam, uh, and then I go curveball, slider, and then my split, my modified changeup, which is a modified split. So next time you're down here, because we'll probably have you down again this winter to watch some football, like we did there. Uh, would you let me like stand in and just throw pitches by me so I can just see what they look like? Uh, it depends on where it's at. Cause, uh, I usually take about a month off from throwing and then I slowly build up to back to, we'll, we'll schedule around it. Also, <laughs> right. if there's any tempt temptation to brush me back, please don't because I'm 38 and the chances of me being able to get out of the way, not, <laughs> not what they used to be. <laughs> I'm not, right. not, not trying to get drilled by baseball. I mean, if it happens, it happens, but I'm sure Kyle would catch for you, right? We could get him. I involved. don't know. I don't know. I don't, he's he was never a catcher. That was my job. But. Did he tell you? Uh, probably didn't because I don't know how like how often you talk about random shit. But uh, so the old timer Jamestown old timers, you know that team, the Jamestown team. Uh, it's like the maybe. 50 50 and over guys who play like random games against people. It's a, uh, no, a handful no. handful of worn guys in it actually. Okay. So they're called the Jamestown old timers. They play at what's it called Dietrich Park? Is that what that place yeah. is called? Yeah. So that's where they play. And uh, they uh, basically challenged WPD to a game of baseball, they said. Me and Kyle are like, it sounds like injuries, but, you know, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll think about it. But I had this master plan that if we can get the timeline right, we're going to cut your hair and we're going to say that you're Kyle and you're going to pitch for us. There's only one problem, though. I'm a righty and he's a lefty. No, they don't know that. Well, they do now, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was gonna ask you. I was gonna say if you're facing, if, you're, if anyone's watching this, then they do now. Well, they those guys might be, but what, one question I was gonna ask you, and I'm like, no, I shouldn't ask that because you know maybe he doesn't want a secret out there. But then I was like, what pro baseball player is gonna be watching this podcast? Probably not any. So if you have you have a guy, the best hitter you've ever faced down o two. What are you coming with? Uh, I guess that depends on what I threw him previously. Well, you pick. Uh, probably the most part, most of the time, I'm going to throw my curveball. Because you're going to try and get him to chase, right, at this point when you get him down? Yeah. yeah. He's down up to do that or like a fastball up in the zone. So it kind of varies from depending on how I've started the AB and how it's gone and what their weaknesses are and it all depends on the scouting report, I guess. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you, like it's going to primarily be my curveball though. Is that going to like, if, if I'm standing in and you, you throw me a curveball, like I'm just standing there. I'm not trying to hit anything. We're doing this. Like you're probably going to duck and move out of the way. I'm going to get out of the way. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm convinced that ball is going to hit me. 
Yeah. I see. I want to try it. I want to test <laughs> test my own wits and see if I can if I can stand in and take it, or if I'm gonna you know bitch out and and duck out of the way. Do you know it's coming or no? No, I'll let you mix it up. Okay, then yeah. That's the only. That, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be Kobe, remember when Kobe doesn't flinch when the guy yeah fakes the bat. If I'm gonna be Kobe, I have to not know it's coming. All right. So we're, yeah, we're planning it. Maybe we can we can record this. <laughs> this would be a good show. So uh, when's season over for it. you, Con? You want to see this? I want to see it. Yeah, give me You're- a bush light and sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need a few uh, bush lights before I, I probably get in the batter's box. But so when's the, when's the season over for you, Connor? Uh, I think not until the end of September, maybe October. Okay, I, but I don't know what day officially it ends. That is also to say that your season ends with uh, Syracuse, which we're yes. hope, hopeful it doesn't. Hope, right? Hopefully it doesn't. Now, right? Hopefully so it uh, the debut this year. Do you know? Is there like? Obviously not like a list or anything, but they have their top prospects kind of, you know, in mind. Yeah. Where, where are you about at? Do you know? I have no idea, to be honest. That's, uh, that's probably a good thing. I do know they're they're high on me. Uh, I've been told that a lot of guys like me in the org. So uh, just I need to keep pitching well and then kind of show them that I've pitched well here. And then that will give me the opportunity to, to get to the big leagues. So. I just need to be consistent here first and then show them I, I belong up there. So that's well, goal. I can tell you, you have Frewsburg rooting for you. You have Warren rooting for you. There's a lot of people in your corner. Uh, like I said at the beginning, Kyle, I can't even begin to tell you. And I, I'm sure you know, but he is yeah, I, so, I he's so, so proud of you and everything that you've accomplished. And the, and the best part about it is you're not done yet. Yep. Like it's not, it's not, you know, you haven't, you haven't stopped. So uh, we'll let you go, Connor. Thanks for joining us. Uh, do you have any, any shout outs, hellos you want to give? Is your parents watching or anything? I don't know. Uh, I don't I'm know. sure they are. Uh, my mom's <laughs> really good at finding everything. So. <laughs> well, Kyle yeah. shared it. And uh, I think yeah. his brother, I think Randy did too. So. No, that's my dad, I think on, on Twitter who, who shared it. Oh, it was? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's my oh, dad. Wow. I your dad has so. Twitter? Oh yeah. He loves that. And he's a badass golfer, right? <laughs> he is. Yeah, he kicks my butt. So, well, we trust me. Kyle kicks all of ours. So, it, the the family of athletes runs pretty deep with, within <laughs> the grace. So, uh, Connor, thanks for thanks for joining us. Hopefully, maybe later on, uh, you know, as time goes, we'll have you back on again. You can update us on how everything's going, and and uh, for sure, would love to have you. So, thanks for joining us, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Absolutely. Quality interview. Quality interview. I loved all the questions you asked, Sketty. Thanks. I had a lot, you know, prepared <laughs> for this. You were doing good. I was just I, I, blood. I wrote a bunch down, and, and then I fucked up the Kane, Co- uh, Kane County thing, though. I forgot that was when he was an affiliate of the Diamondback. For some reason, I thought that that was uh, when he went to Indie Ball that he did that. But we backtracked. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. We got it. All right. Uh, you got anything else you need to talk about? I've got nothing oh. I need to talk about. I already said on the uh, for oh Bent, Bent Fest, these will be available. Yep. You can also get them by contacting us. Beehive Sports Podcast golf towels have arrived. $10 a piece. We also still have shirts available. 
So if you're interested, get a hold of somebody who knows somebody who knows us or just message the page. That'd be the easier route. Bypass, eliminate the middleman. That's my style. Yep. Eliminate, eliminate the middleman. Message the page. Yep. Uh, you know, who, who talk to me, talk to Sketty, whoever. We can get you hooked up. We got shirts. We have golf towels now. We have 10 hats like this one. But those are going to be part of giveaways because I only have 10. And I don't want to, I want, you know, but we're going to get more because I, I think the patches and the hats, we have a, we have a heat presser guy and we have a sew shop woman in our corner now. Really building the team out. We're building the team, you know, still, still no tech guy. Still no tech guy. And that shows, I mean, don't have it, a hockey guy. Nothing about hockey. Except for Vander Kane getting the bird flip to him. That's the extent of our hockey knowledge. Uh, All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Just so everybody knows, it's going to be Monday nights from this point forward uh, until football season rolls back around. want to thank the sponsors, Swing Juice, Bush Light, Your Daily Local, Rocket Detailing, JP Photography, Means Sales and Service, Jones Pest Control, Me, Myself, and Rye Podcast, and Blue Line Auto. We appreciate all of you. Um, Everybody who listened chimed in. Comments were good today. We we're, you know, getting some good comments in there and uh, we appreciate everybody till next time. Take care. Be safe.